It'll be my honor to introduce our guest speaker today. Born and raised in La Belle Province, and he's probably the nicest guy you'll ever meet. That's what I said I was gonna, I was gonna say, so I said it. Right, Jean? His name is Jean Martin. He is the president of, of uh, École de Théologie Évangélique du Québec. Did I say that right? Did I say that right? Very good. All right. Um, and can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? All right. Sweet. Thank you, God, how you've brought Jean here this morning to speak truth into our lives, God, and also his posture of, of his posture towards you, his love for you, to go deeper into your word. So, God, I pray that you would fill him with your peace as he stewards us a word of your grace this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome, Jean-Martin. Thank you very much, Jonathan. It's such a pleasure to be at Westside Gathering for the second time for a gathering and the third time in reality uh, because we were in this facility for our ATEC graduation in April and uh, so excited to be able to celebrate that event in your new facility. And so we were keeping a close eye from a distance as to what is God doing here in the midst of Westside Gathering because l'école de théologie évangélique du Québec um, is very much a Mennonite Brethren School. It's your school here in Quebec. Uh, since a year now, we offer a minor in pastoral studies in English. We've been all about Francais for more than 30 years. But now we do offer a number of courses in English, and I'm not going to read through the courses, but you can see uh, we're starting with 15 to 16 courses in English and counting upon some of the best teachers and pastor teachers that we have here in the greater Montreal area. And so if you are at all interested in, in connecting and knowing a little bit more about your school, uh, I'll be in the foyer after and uh, by the snack table. Uh, so if you've had your snack, you can come for more snack because I'd love to chat with you. Connected spirituality. Connected spirituality. Don't go at it alone. Our text for this morning is Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 9. And uh, I would invite us to journey. Will you journey with me this morning? And let me journey with you. Let's journey together in this scripture portion and to see what God would want to show us together this morning. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. We're in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift, my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but getting back to my subject, Jesus seems to be saying, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him 
from their sight. I invite you to journey with me because I'd like to take you into what I wrote in my conversation with Jesus upon reading and meditating this passage. It went like this. While he was with them, he was taken up before their very eyes. Jesus, the passage begins with you there and ends with you gone. What a shock for your followers. 40 days earlier, you had abandoned them for three days. And it had seemed like an eternity, even if they never thought they would see you again. You had tried to prepare them, but they simply did not get it. The arrest, the cross, the tomb, they were traumatized, but you came back. Now you're leaving them again. How will they make it this time without you? Jesus, I'm no different. Nothing can compare to your presence. Neither Holy Scripture, neither Holy Spirit, whom you say will replace you. I'm slow to understand how your going away can be a positive thing. I want to see you, Jesus. I'm waiting for you. 2,000 years ago, parentheses, we would have brought David, who I do not know, but we've prayed for this morning. We would have brought him physically, literally to Jesus. We would have cleared out of West Side Gathering and just brought him to wherever Jesus was. But Jesus has gone. My eyes, Jesus, too, are glued to the heavens, hoping to see you. I need to see you, be with you. I want to sit at your feet and listen. How can the Holy Spirit fill that void? While he was with them, he was taken up before their very eyes. Had it been up to me, Jesus, you would not have been taken up to heaven. No way. (laughs) You would have stayed right here so that people could see your face, hear your voice, see your miracles. Christianity would be more concrete, visible every day. Not this invisible stuff. Your kingdom here and now, not up there or later. A savior, Lord, king, prince of peace with whom we would deal with directly. Not through your very imperfect Jesus followers, disciples, the church. <laughs> I imagine you, have, you would have been a pastor, the pastor at West Side Gathering. <laughs> That's not the church I'd written when I wrote this. But I love my pastor, but really, you would have been so much better, Jesus. You would have been the teacher and would have settled all these theological issues, ethical questions, or how we do this or that. You would have been the best president or academic dean of l'École de Évangélique de Montréal. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate you talking so much about your father and now, Jesus, about your Holy Spirit, but you are the best. Why did you have to be taken up and disappear. While he was with them, 
He was taken up before their very eyes. I know your ways are perfect, Jesus. I often get things backwards. I know that you're speaking to me through this passage of the Bible and that it is about the Holy Spirit in my life. You're saying to me that he is the answer to my tendency to go at it alone. And you don't want that for me. Jesus, you say that your followers would be baptized by the Holy Spirit and that they would carry on your mission witnessing of you while they want you to do more and restore the kingdom to Israel, you are calling them to action, to mission that will take them way out of Israel and maybe into Quebec. That the Holy Spirit is the one who will make this possible? Is it possible, Jesus, that if you had not been taken up, we would not have become witnesses, workers, builders? We would not be here planting a church You seem to know that there is a joy even greater than being in your physical presence. The joy of being filled inside by your Holy Spirit and teaming up with him to witness about you to those who do not yet know you. Are you saying to me that you want me to discover nothing less than the secret of your ministry on earth? Your ministry, Jesus, the secret of your ministry, was it the Holy Spirit? That he is here to continue your mission through me? You want me to totally trust your Holy Spirit? It's obvious that you, Jesus, really do trust him. And I concluded this way in my meditation of this passage a while back. Okay, Lord Jesus, okay. I'm willing to revisit the place I've given to the Holy Spirit in my life. In my doctrine, in my theology, sure, but especially in my life. I want your Holy Spirit, Jesus. I do not want to let him work In me, I do want to let him work in me and through me in such a way that I might be really a witness of you in this world. And that's the point. People are wondering, where are you, Jesus? Where have you disappeared to? Okay, I'll be a witness of you. But left on my own, I'm way too shy, nervous, hesitant, fearful, preoccupied. I really need a supernatural power to cover for such weaknesses. Can your Holy Spirit really make that difference in me? Jesus, I'm hearing you say, yes, John, he can. Don't go at it alone. The Holy Spirit comes highly recommended. As a rule, he is neglected, he's often forgotten, at times he's totally unknown. Nevertheless, he is the star in the life, the words, and the promises of Jesus. He is the person of the Holy Spirit. In one church here in, 
in one church I was part of for quite a few years here in Quebec, I realized one day that it had been eight years and that I had never heard in this church a teaching or a message on the Holy Spirit. I believe you're going through or you've completed, I'm not sure, a series on the spiritual gifts. And the Holy Spirit is both the gift and the giver of gifts. At one point, maybe about 10 years ago, I I suggested to a Christian magazine that they would do a series on the Holy Spirit. And immediately the editor answered me, oh no, we're not touching that. (laughs) Can you imagine the confusion and the questions that would arise? This was a good evangelical magazine. But see, Jesus never stopped talking about the Holy Spirit. I want to take, it'll be a very quick look. I know that our time is limited. I want you to walk you through and don't be frustrated because I'm going to go quickly. I want you to have no doubt in your mind, if there is any now, how much Jesus depended walked with the Holy Spirit. And so the text we read was in Acts, at the end of Jesus' ministry, remember, and Luke is the author of Acts, but Luke begins in his gospel. That's where he begins developing his theology of the Holy Spirit. And so we will go into the book of Luke, and I will walk you through very, very quickly. Luke 1.35, good. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. What do we learn here? Well, first, the Holy Spirit is the mediator who makes possible the miracle birth of Jesus. Not a bad connection (laughs) for Jesus. No Holy Spirit, no incarnation. Here the Holy Spirit precedes the Son of God in the salvation story. Because the Holy Spirit intervened, the child will be a holy child and become the Savior. You see, when God intervenes in human affairs, he always does it through his Holy Spirit as in the incarnation. It's the Holy Spirit who takes impossible situations and makes them possible by bringing together the human and the divine. Where the Holy Spirit moves, unexpected, unexplainable, impossible, unique things happen, the incarnation being one of them, the best example. We'll continue very quickly during Jesus' baptism. Many of you may know this passage. Jesus is being baptized by John the Baptist, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Jesus himself now is baptized, anointed by this same Holy Spirit. While everyone in that day was being baptized with water, One is baptized with the Holy Spirit, and that's Jesus. The Holy Spirit descends upon him. It's a baptism of fatherly love. We just sang about it. 
You see, when the father says, I love you so much, this is my son, I love him so much. What does he do? As a supreme expression of his love, he anoints his son with his Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? The experience that Jesus has with the Holy Spirit is one of love. This is my son. I love him so much. We're starting to understand why Jesus would emphasize to his followers, don't move, freeze. Don't go anywhere till you've received this Holy Spirit. We're beginning to understand that when Jesus says that to his followers, and he says that to you and to me, he is speaking from his own experience. He knows. He's not teaching theology. He's teaching the Christian walk. He has walked the talk, and he's walked it with the Holy Spirit. Before his mission and his ministry, and before the cross, Jesus is filled with the love of the Father through the Holy Spirit. Let's continue on to the next slide, because the baptism story continues. The people were waiting expectantly, and were all wondering in their hearts if John the Baptist might be possibly the Messiah, but John answered them all. Imagine of all the answers John could give. To, to explain that he is not the Messiah. He's just a good guy. Or thank you, Jonathan, for the good guy part. <laughs> he's, an, he's an extraordinary guy, but he, he's still just a guy, John the Baptist. And to explain the difference between him and the, Holy Spirit and the Messiah, Jesus, he directly goes to this question of the Holy Spirit. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus is the one who baptizes with or in the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist does not, cannot, and will not do that. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, a unique, unbreakable team. And at the end, at the last minute of his being taken away, Jesus will say, that team is for you. That team is possible and necessary for you. Are we starting to get it? There's a special and amazing relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus teaches us about the Holy Spirit and recommends him to us, he does so out of his own personal knowledge and experience of the Holy Spirit. Next slide. During Jesus' temptation, you will remember, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The Holy Spirit does not associate himself with Jesus just at baptism, but in the trials and tribulations and preparation for the ministry of Jesus. See, Jesus will be filled not just here, but constantly all 
the time. Not a passing visitation, but an enduring presence of the Holy Spirit alongside Jesus. Jesus knows he could not do it alone. And he's experiencing that. And at the end, that is what he wants you and I, more than anything else, to remember. So the Holy Spirit, not just a presence, but we see here the Holy Spirit leading Jesus into the desert and then into ministry. Jesus lets himself, Jesus lets himself, Jesus lets himself be filled and led by the Holy Spirit. He totally trusts him. He follows him. He abandons himself to the Holy Spirit and lets himself be led into challenges and dangers. Trust, obedience, submission, dependency. Jesus does not hesitate. He understands that this is the plan of the Father. Next slide. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Galilee, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. Jesus is anointed by a power that is not his. It's the Holy Spirit's. The Spirit of God that gives him assurance, strength, audacity, and wings for mission. Jesus does not move alone. He moves through the leading, the lifting, the pushing, the accompanying of the Holy Spirit. For Luke, the gospel writer and the writer of Acts, Jesus' person and ministry are the works of the Holy Spirit. No Holy Spirit, no successful ministry for Jesus. And here's the passage that I think is particularly significant for us this morning. I guess it's the next slide at the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Galilee. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, he says, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery for the sight of the blind, to see the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Holy Spirit is the reason for proclaiming good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, sight for the blind. Jesus is saying, what you're seeing me do, it's because the Spirit of the Lord is on me. If these first words, because these are the first words of Jesus' ministry, his first public ministry, if right from the start he tells us, please remember, understand, everything you will see, it's because the Holy Spirit is guiding, filling, consoling, teaching, making it possible for me to do that. It's no surprise that at the end of his ministry, when he's eating with them, he'll say, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. Doesn't it make sense? Is this this not the secret that we need to understand, that we need to enter into? 
Jesus begins his ministry by specifying the essential relationship of dependency on and trust he himself has placed in the Holy Spirit. And he ends his ministry the same way, telling you and telling me, this is non-negotiable. It's ever necessary. This infilling relationship between his followers and this same Holy Spirit. Shall we not respond this morning by saying, come, Holy Spirit, come. Anoint me to be a witness to Jesus. Anoint West Side Gathering in times of sadness, in times of challenge and in times of joy and excitement. Anoint West Side Gathering in such a way that we will know that the Holy Spirit is acting in our midst. The psalmist wrote many years before, search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is an offensive way in me and lead me in the ways everlasting. Maybe this morning, God would want to show me, to show you, to show us, that maybe an offensive way in our lives is not only the wrong or the bad, things that we might do or think or not do, but maybe the most offensive thing for Jesus would be that we would go at it alone, trying to be the best disciple that we could possibly be. And Jesus would say to us, stop. Don't go any further than West Side Gathering. Don't go anywhere else until this has been clearly settled and that you have decided to let the Holy Spirit be that ongoing presence. If you're like me or most of the followers of Jesus, it's so easy to go at it alone. Oh, we have the brothers and we have the sisters, we have the community, and so we can, we're, we're never alone. We, we go at it together alone. <laughs> and we forget the essential place of the Holy Spirit. My prayer for us this morning is the following as we conclude. Jesus, I'm amazed and deeply moved by your relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing that touches me. I had forgotten for way too long how holy that relationship was between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And the more that I stop and meditate and talk to Jesus about it, the more I'm amazed how this was central to Jesus. And the more I'm disappointed with how it has not been for me. 
Jesus, I'm amazed and deeply moved by your relationship with the Holy Spirit, how much you depended upon him, how much you trusted him, how you let him prepare you and empower you for your mission. Jesus, teach me how to be filled and how to be led by your Holy Spirit. Forgive me for wanting to go at it alone. I don't want to go at it alone. Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and a recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus said, that the Spirit of the Lord must be upon us because he has anointed us to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent us, that Holy Spirit, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and a recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, and to proclaim to your neighbors, to your family, to your children, to your co-workers, this is the year of favor of the Lord. Let us pray. Oh, Holy Spirit, I want to address to you our request as a body of believers here in Quebec, in particular here in West Side Gathering that you would open our eyes, our minds, our hearts, that we would stop fleeing from you, stop trying to go at it alone. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for being so explicit, so transparent concerning your relationship with the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the Luke, the gospel writer, who keeps coming back and repeating and giving examples of your life, Jesus. But especially, Jesus, thank you for giving us and sending us the Holy Spirit. And by faith, this morning, we receive, oh, Holy Spirit, your presence, your consolation, your power in our lives, so that we would be able to be living witnesses of an invisible Jesus till he returns, till every eye sees him, till every knee bows. In Jesus' name, amen.